Good morning, Covenant Network. This is Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, May 9th. It is very good to be with you today. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, as we get started here, I am I'm ready to hand this day over to the Blessed Mother. I am ready to hand it over to her and to our Lord and really the week and the month. More on that later. I'm excited, but I'm also... I'm a little troubled today, but let's pray. Let's start where we need to start. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee, I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And we continue to pray our novena prayers to Our Lady of Fatima. Queen of the Holy Rosary, you have deigned to come to Fatima to reveal to the three shepherd children the treasures of grace hidden in the rosary. Inspire my heart with a sincere love of this devotion in order that by meditating on the mysteries of our redemption, which are recalled in it, I may obtain peace for the world, the conversion of sinners, and the favor for which I ask of you in this rosary that I will pray today. I ask it as... I ask it for the greater glory of God, for your own honor, and for the goods, for the good of souls, especially for my own. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions today to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, right off the bat, I want to say I am happy to be with you this morning. It's good to be back, and I've actually been looking forward to being back here in the studio and back on the show with you all weekend long. And um it, it really is a joy to be back with you. I'm very excited about today's topic on the show. We're going to, I mean, we've got a couple things on the show for you today. It's Martinoni Monday, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite questions. Are you saved? Have you been saved? You know, that's one that our Protestant brothers and sisters ask us all the time. Have you been saved? Um, and how do we answer that as Catholics? Because we, we do believe in redemption, and, and we believe in salvation, but how do we answer that? So John Martinoni is going to help us tackle that question on Martinoni Monday uh, here today. We're also going to be hearing about our Lord the Good Shepherd today, and that's a wonderful topic. But most of all, I'm excited to be talking with Chris Horan later in the show today. Um, Chris is a somewhat regular panelist now on the Roadmap Roundup on Friday mornings, and he has mentioned before that he's in formation to become a Benedictine Oblate. And so we're going to talk about a little bit about monasticism in the home. More about the home than about monasticism, but uh, we're going to hit both of those things. What, what does it mean to be a monastic, and, and how do we do that as laymen and women in our homes? And why am I excited about this, and, and why am I ready for this, and, and why do I want to talk about this today? Well, Friday evening, Beth and I did a 5K, you know, and, and again, this is one of those things. I love that we did it, but in the moment, I absolutely hated it. We were on the Katy Trail out in St. Charles. It had been raining for about an hour and a half before we went out on the trail, and then while we were doing the 5K, it was still spritzing, uh, shall we say, 
and it was crowded, and the trail wasn't very wide, and it was a there and back again. So when we first started out, there were all these people around us trying to pass on the left or pass on the right, and you, you want to pass people, but you don't want to be passed, and, and how does the mechanics of all this work out? And then at a certain point, you know, the first group of people, the fast ones, they got to the halfway point, and they turn around, and now they're coming back at you, which crowds the trail even more. And the terrain's a little uneven. You know, it's not flat. It's kind of a, an upside-down, very mild V-shape so that rain would run off the trail. It's a little bit muddy. It's not too terrible, but we're getting gravel in our shoes. We're wet. We're cold. It's damp, and it's miserable. And at a certain point, I just kept saying to myself, breathe in breathe out, move. Breathe in, breathe out, move. Nothing was going to change. Once I had committed to starting, I mean, I guess I could have turned around early and gone back to the starting line, but I was committed to finishing. And that's what, you know, I'm looking at the Christian life right now, this week, in the thick of everything that's troubling me. Breathe in, breathe out, and move. And that's why I'm so excited about today's topic about uh, taking some of that monastic spirituality into our homes. If I can foreshadow some words we're going to hear from Father Mark Goring later today, if you keep the rhythm, the rhythm will keep you. For more on that, you got to stay tuned. We're going to take a break to get a check of the weather. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Today is the feast day of St. Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah's voice is so critical in forecasting the arrival of the Son of Man, it is staggering to think his lifetime was more than 700 years before Jesus entered the world. Greatly trusted in his own time, Isaiah advises Sennacherib to resist the Assyrians as their powerful army gets ready to invade Jerusalem and to pray to God for deliverance. After Sennacherib does this, an angel of God destroys 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in a single night. Isaiah's vision of the future is so clear that St. Gregory once said he knew the mysteries of the church so vividly, you would assume he was not prophesying about the future, but rather describing past events. Isaiah will die a martyr at the order of his grandson Manasseh, but before that, his vision of the future will include the servant song, which so clearly describes Jesus and the kind of Savior he will be. In chapter 42 of Isaiah, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow dim or be bruised until he establishes justice on earth. St. Isaiah, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Welcome back to Roadmap to Heaven. It seems to be that on Mondays lately, we've been visiting with John Martinoni from the Bible Christian Society. Maybe we'll have to call this Mondays with Martinoni. I don't know. It could be a winner right there, folks. But John, how are you today? Doing all right, Adam. How about yourself? I am doing well, except I've been preoccupied with this question that I think we've all been asked at some point or another by one of our uh brothers or sisters of the Christian faith, but not the Catholic faith. And that's that question, are you saved? And, you know, one day, John, God willing, I hope to be in heaven, but, you know, that depends on how I live this life and making a good confession. And I'll be honest with you, I many years I've been asked this question by my Protestant brothers and sisters, Adam, are you saved? And I don't quite know how to answer it with a Catholic response. So I, I could think of no one better than John Martinoni to help us out with this question today. 
Well, I'll see what I can do. Uh, I'll, g- I'll give you the short response, and then I'll expand on it for those who want to uh, take it a-, a step further. The short response to uh, are you saved from a Catholic should be yes. Uh, and then you say, I was saved through baptism, just like it says in the Bible in, in 1 Peter 3, 20, 21. Yeah, and then I was saved, you know, through through baptism again, as being saved through water and the Spirit, being born again, just like it says in in John three verses three through five. So yes, I was saved. And now, if they're not happy with that, you're the person asking you this question, and you want to go a little deeper, you can say, you just understand that you know Protestants believe that they are saved by making one single act of faith at one single point in time in their lives. But nowhere does the Bible say such a thing. As Catholics, we believe salvation is a process which begins with our baptism and continues throughout our lifetimes, as you were alluding to, which is what the Bible teaches. I mean, Adam, there are so many places in Scripture which talk about how one is saved, but not one of them says we're saved by one act of faith at one point in time. As I just mentioned, 1 Peter 3.20 says we're saved by baptism. Hebrews 12.14 says we will not see the Lord unless we're holy, and that we have to strive for this holiness. Matthew 6, uh, what is it, 14 and 15, says we must forgive others or we will not be forgiven. And, you know, can you attain salvation if God hasn't forgiven you? No. So our forgiving of other sins is necessary for our salvation. First uh, Timothy 2.15 says, Woman will be saved through bearing children. Well, if she can, can, continues in faith, love, and holiness with modesty. So there's all these conditions for salvation. John 6.54 says, We'll have eternal life by doing something, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Matthew 19, verses uh, 16 and 17, Jesus is asked directly, what must I do to have eternal life? Did he say, accept me into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior just once and that's it? No, he said, keep the commandments and you will have life. So yes, as Catholics, we are born again, we are saved, and as Catholics, we believe that we are saved, as Paul says in Romans 8, 24, that we were saved. And we believe that we're being saved, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, and that we will be saved, as Paul says in Romans 5, verses 9 and 10, provided we persevere to the end and keep our eyes on the prize. Salvation is a process, Adam, just as Catholics believe, and just as the Bible clearly teaches. John, it sounds to me that that question, are you saved, really... It's almost an incomplete question. It, it says to me that I need to accept I cannot do this on my own, that if Adam Wright's salvation is 100% fully dependent upon Adam Wright, Adam Wright is out of luck. But that once I realize that, that's not enough to just say I cannot be saved without the grace that our Lord offers. I still have work to do, or I can get in the way of the work that Christ is doing in my life. Absolutely. Well, I always make the analogy, if someone gives you a Christmas present, a free gift, okay, and you open it up and you use that gift in your life, and then you're doing what that person wanted you to do with that gift. But if they give you that gift and you just say, you know, I don't like the bow or I don't like the wrapping pair, I'm just going to, you know, you shake the gift. It doesn't, doesn't sound like anything I'm really interested in. 
they gave it to you free, but you don't open the gift. You don't use it. So the gift does you no good. And that's just the same with salvation. It's a free gift by God. We are saved by God's grace through baptism. But if we don't do anything with that, if, if we just sit like a lump on our couches, you know, watching uh, football or watching our favorite uh, shows on, you know, on, the, on streaming and all that, and, and we do nothing, we don't forgive others, we don't feed the hungry, clothe the naked, uh, all these other things that Jesus says we need to do, you know, in response to his free gift, which, and all of which we do by his grace. Like you said, we can't do it ourselves, but we need to respond to Jesus' free gift with faith and with works, all by the grace of God. Well, there you have it, friends. A little clarity from our friend John Martinoni at the Bible Christian Society. Uh, for more information, check out BibleChristianSociety.com. John, I, I want to thank you for this time together. I look forward to next week. Same here, Adam. Friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network, and we're happy to be joined by Chris Horan this morning, who normally is with us on the Roadmap Roundup on Friday mornings. And Chris, I think you're about one visit shy of being considered an official panelist. I think your probationary period is up. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm getting close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Well, one of the times you were with us on the Roundup, you mentioned that you are currently in formation, if, if that's the appropriate term, to become a Benedictine oblate. And it was one of those things that, you know, you mentioned casually once, and then we moved on to the next topic, and then another week you brought it up again. And I keep saying, you know, I, I want to talk to Chris more and more about that because it, that's somewhat intriguing. So today we're taking the time to do that, to share this spiritual process you are in with our listeners. So first and foremost, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great topic that I love to talk about and to uh, encourage others to, to discern this as well, because it's a beautiful way to order your life. Well, let's start with the what. I mean, we, we kind of have glossed over it just a little bit in our Roadmap Roundup conversation, but what is a Benedictine oblate? So an oblate essentially is, in general, is somebody who is offering themselves in service to God, who wants to solely dedicate themselves to God, and in the Benedictine spirit to Our Lady and to St. Benedict as well. And so the, oblate, the, the word oblate means offered. So initially, from a Benedictine perspective, parents would offer their children to the monastery to be educated, to start to learn the life, to do some work, and to um, you know, eventually enter the monastery, God willing. So obviously we're not all called to monastic life, Marriage is the typical vocation for most of us. And so in becoming an oblate, you can share in the fruits and the life and the spirituality of the monks while living in the world. I was going to say, I think it would cause a little bit of scandal here if you were to abandon your family to run off to the monastery, and yet the monastery allows you to be affiliated with it. And you've said this before that, you know, this is different than becoming, say, a third order Franciscan or a third order Dominican. You're not just affiliated with Benedictine spirituality, but you really are becoming an extension of the monastery that you're associated with. That's correct. So I am 
associated or associating myself with Clear Creek Abbey, Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma. And yes, it, it's not considered a third order. You're, you're essentially a lay member, spiritually affiliated and an extension of the monastery in the world. Okay. So I imagine this is not the kind of thing that you just go online, fill out a web form and bada bing, bada boom, you're now a Benedictine Oblate. What is the process of formation that you are going through right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I get this a lot of what, what does this entail? How do I how do I start? Because uh, I have a group of ten or so friends that are interested as well. So, formally, the novitiate is a one year minimum. Um, so you you communicate with the monastery that you're interested in. It could be with the sisters. It could be in, in Gower, for example, or it could be um, with Clear Creek. In, in my case, and so. You let them know that there's an there's an oblate or novice master, who's typically the novice master of the actual no, the monks the monk novices, and so you communicate with them, let them know you're interested. They give you some at least at Clear Creek they give me some um, things to read and to to start the discernment period ahead of the novitiate, and so that was about a nine month period for me roughly nine months to a year, where I went to visit for the first time to, said. Oh, this this is a beautiful life. Um, what can how can I do this in my home? So I entered the novitiate. That is a minimum a year, and then um, and then after you, so you go to the, you go to the monastery if you're able. Some, you can also get a delegate, like a diocesan priest is a delegate in some cases. And then once you've done that, you via some prayers and veneration of a relic. If uh, if you're at one of the monasteries. Um, if it's been a year, you go back and you make your oblate promises. So you've made some promises as a novitiate to discern, to help you discern. And then after a year, you um, got a minimum a year, you can go back and um, officially become an oblate. Now, you use that word discern, which is a great, I love that word in our faith, that, that we don't just decide things, you know, Snapping well, what am I going to do? And yeah, there we go. I, I've decided. No, we discernment is a process, and it's a lengthy process. Right. Um, I imagine, though, that much like the period of discernment for the men that enter the monastery as Benedictine monks or, or the sisters that would enter the convent, that that period of discernment is somewhat of a two-way street. Not only are you, Chris Haran, discerning whether or not you are called to be a Benedictine oblate, the monastery, Clear Creek, as you mentioned, is discerning is Chris Haran called to be an oblate, an extension of our Abbey? That's exactly right. That's the beautiful thing about becoming an oblate is if you are not called to the monastery, you can still live it in the world in, in the same, nearly the same way, right? The same way when and we can get into um, how they pray and how, how I would pray, how the family prays um, and how we work as well, because the Benedictine motto is aura et labora or pray and pray and work. Yeah, I remember we had Father Augustine Weta from St. Louis Abbey on the show one time, and he said, we say ora et labora, or as some of the monks have said, ora et labora, et labora samora. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. work and prayer and, and, and more work and more prayer. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. What What is the work that you do? I mean, obviously, you're not living at the monastery 24-7. You are a husband. You are a father. That's your primary vocation. You also have a full-time job to provide for your family, and yet you do take on some of the Benedictine rule or Benedictine spirituality in this. So what are you what are you called to do as part of this? Yeah, so there's, um, again, different monasteries have different uh, things in how they go about this, how, how their oblates go about this, but just a couple things of sort of what is required of an oblate, if you will, right? And, and to before I get into this a little bit, the... 
these do not bind under the pain of sin. So, and granted, some, at least to what Clear Creek has given the Oblates is, you know, a good part of it is the precepts of the church, which makes sense, but they want all that, you know, that is the foundation of all of this. And so, um, if you fail to do some of these things, it's, you know, not the end of the world, but you can, you know, given our state in life, we, and, and that's a, that's a component of this is we first must fulfill the duties of our state in life with utmost fidelity. That's, that's in the, the obligations because they know whether you're a parish priest and you can become an oblate or you're married, right? Those duties are going to take priority to what's required of an oblate. So some things that are required of an oblate, at least per Clear Creek, and I think of, of most monasteries, you're desiring to seek God. You're desiring greater perfection. And you have a special devotion to St. Benedict and to the whole Benedictine order. Um, you work to and strive to promote the good of the monastery that you are attached to, as well as all of the Benedictines. Right? You want to speak highly of them, obviously um, read more about them, and encourage people to go visit them, financially support them. They specifically mention sort of cultivating a generosity, warm-hearted generosity to the poor, um, because even today, but back back in the day, the poor would come to the monastery, they would house them, they would feed them, and then and then they would go on their way. Uh, another key thing is reading and really pondering over the rule of St. Benedict. There's so much there that's rich, and um, to go along with that, I have a, a commentary on the rule that kind of distills it down for oblates that a, a priest has written, and that's really helpful to um, take this into the world. You know, really quick, I, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but we, we talk about the rule of St. Benedict. And I remember uh, when our, our oldest was born, I said, I wish there was a manual for parenting, you know, how, how to raise a child, what to do <laughs> each nice and one. every day. And actually in the monastery, though, there is a manual for how to be a monk. If you're a Benedictine monk, you live by the rule. So when you say rule, we, we literally do mean rules for living as a monk. That's correct. Yeah, so St. Benedict wrote this. Um, there were some even before him, but he took his own spin on it, um, how to live, how to pray, how to order the day. And some monasteries, you know, it's not you have to do this or you're not Benedictine. It's you take this as, as direction. So reading and pondering over that, using that commentary that I mentioned, the commentary for oblates, there, there's the text of the rule in there, but also there's commentary and then application. So I can take that because my wife and I were discerning, how do we... How do we take the rule and do it at home? And that this commentary is really helpful for, for doing that. A key thing the Benedictines make, you know, there's importance in the rule is, you know, having a special love for the sacred liturgy um, and taking, as an oblate, taking an active interest in all that concerns the beauty and adornment of churches and altars and preserving the true splendor of divine worship. So, um, for example, on Tuesdays, um, at least at Clear Creek, they want you to keep Tuesdays in honor of St. Benedict. So I've been going to mass on Tuesdays to do just that, you know, combining prayer with work, right? So it's not just praying. They don't just pray all day. They do pray a lot, but they don't pray all day. They uh, have livestock and they have big garden and they, you know, they make rosaries and, and homemade gifts, Catholic gifts that they can sell in the gift shop. Um, also, they, they, at least at Clear Creek, you keep various feasts such as the purification of Our Lady, um, St. Benedict, obviously, St. Henry, who was... Not in the monastery, he was, you know, sort of an oblate. He's, he's good for the oblates because he's in the world, but wanted to live the monastic life. And as well as St. Francis of Rome, uh, she was widowed and then started a monastery after her husband passed. So those are just a few things. They, they, have, they have many, many more things, but um, these are a few important things for, for our family, at least. Yeah, well, that, that gives us a good start here. Uh, Chris, we're up against a break, so we're going to do that. We're going to take a pause here for our listeners 
Friends, don't go anywhere. We're talking with Chris Horan about what it means to be a Benedictine Oblate. And when we come back, we're going to hear about what this actually looks like in the Horan household, because these are all some really great things he's sharing with us. But, you know, what does that actually look like in the daily living for Chris and his family? Well, to find out, you got to stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. We're happy to be talking with... uh probationary roadmap roundup panelist, but really a good friend and, and friend of the station, friend of the church, Chris Horan, who is in the formation process to become a Benedictine Oblate. If you're just joining us, Chris is in the process of becoming a, an extension of the Abbey that he's attached to, Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma, and living aspects of that Benedictine life of Ora et Labora in his home. So before the break, Chris, we were talking about all of these things that are that all of the oblates are called to do, a life of prayer, cultivating uh, generosity towards the poor or the unfortunate, devoting yourself to prayer and penance, studying the rule of St. Benedict and, uh, and meditating upon that, not just reading it, but really spending some time digesting it. What does this mean? Um, love for the liturgy, love for keeping Tuesdays in honor of St. Benedict, observing other feasts throughout the year. And this is what all of the oblates are called to. But then I wonder specifically, what does this look like in the Haran household with with you and your family? It's a good question. I get up at 4.30 and pray matins. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, And I wake the children up with me, right? (laughs) Yeah, and we chant. Um, No, so every day I I, I don't wake up that early, right? Even if you purchase a a diurnal, which is what the divine office is in for the monks, more traditional monks anyway, it doesn't have matins in there. They, they don't expect uh, somebody to purchase that diurnal, that set of uh, the office, and get up that early at five in the morning as the monks do. So I, I get up around 6.30. Uh, nobody else is up yet. I do some spiritual reading. But then after, after they leave and go to school, the more quiet time around eight o'clock is roughly when the monks at Clear Creek pray prime, which is technically the third hour uh, of the day, but it's one that the at least the novice master Cleocles has suggested to pray, and then toward the end of the day, praying Compline. So those are two hours of the office because they that's a part of the obligations that they at least suggest you to pray the office. And we do things, you know, when I do go to wake them up, using a bell, right? To instead of just yelling up the stairs, uh, "Hey, wake up, wake up!" You using the bell, they hear the bell. It's a consistent reminder every day to. To come downstairs or, you know, come, come to breakfast, come to the table. We also are starting to try to use that for calls to prayer, uh, calls to dinner, just like the monks do. If you're, if you're at the monastery, you're going to hear the bells all the time. Um, I try to also lead, and this isn't necessarily in the order of the day per se, but just a couple things that we do in our home. So I, I try to lead the dinner prayer as an abbot would. So if you were to go to the refectory at the monastery, uh, at least for lunch and dinner at Clear Creek, the abbot you know, chants the, the, the prayer. There's part of a psalm. And so I'm trying to do that with the kids. The kids are so young, so sometimes they're <laughs> especially hungry, and so they don't want to wait. Um, but it's, it's teaching them a little bit of patience that we don't just dive right into our food. Um, and also the monastic silence, which is in the evening after evening prayer, 
The monks are quiet until after prime the next day, which is roughly, you know, 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. to 8, 8.30 a.m., right? So there's, they're only, if they have to say something to another monk, they're whispering and it's very short, but they, they are not talking. So we are trying to do that more in our home to calm us in the evenings. They can sleep better. And so there's not a lot of noise in the mornings as we're waking up and having breakfast. It's, it's as calm and, and quiet as possible. Again, difficult with children. Uh, so don't expect it's going to be, if you, if you try this in your home, that it's going to be exactly what you want it to be. Um, another key tenet that we're trying to do more and more of, or which we are doing more and more of, is hospitality. Really inviting people over just to foster good Catholic community. And if you were to go to the monastery, they're very hospitable. They, um, you know, the men can go, at least at, at Clear Creek can go and, and go to the refectory and have meals. Uh, the guest master is very hospitable and giving you, typically giving you a room if, if, they're, if they're free. We try to host different gatherings and events, um, bigger events in some cases, uh, campouts and things like that. Um, and we also, not in our home per se, but we're starting to take meals. To, or we have been taking meals to families that have babies or are sick or something. And, you know, these are kinds of things that the monks would do when people used to live close to the monastery. They would be their spiritual help and, and in some cases physical, but the people would be the financial. So... Now, we talk about all of these things, and I mean, I'm hearing them, and from what I know of Benedictine abbeys, it, it is all in line, that hospitality, that life of prayer, the times of quiet in the monastery, uh, and so on. I'm curious, what's the fruit that this has borne for you? I mean, I know you're, you're somewhat early on, because this will be, uh, once you're done with formation, somewhat of a lifelong thing. Right. Um, not that you're taking perpetual vows like a monk would, but... Right. What is the fruit that this is bearing for you and your family and your spiritual lives? The biggest thing is order and structure. Um, for many years, I went to RCA in 2010, and for many years after that, I was I was only 22 at the time, so I had a lot of reading and, and prayer and things to catch up on. And it took a while to find where I wanted to focus, and so the Benedictines were it because I— thanks be to God, I had a natural devotion and, and love for liturgy and for chant and sacred music— a, you know, a year ago, we moved to a little bit of land, and it's almost like our little domestic monastery now, you know, come to think about it. And so it's the, the fruits are prayer and structure and order. Stability really is one of the key tenets. And in the, in the work, right, the, the, the aura at labora, the labora component, and showing our kids the, how these two go well together. Um, and, and giving them rather than just going to school and coming home and playing video games like most kids probably do, right? At least not Catholic kids, but you know, in the world, our, our kid, we want our kids to come home and just be, be able to go out and, and play and, and not be confined to a backyard and just really imagine and be, you know, have awe and wonder for the, for the grandeur of God out, out on our property. And so it's just been a, a beautiful way to order and structure our lives and, and focus our spirituality and attention on the Benedictine saints, which there are many great ones, and as I help them foster their devotion for the liturgy and for sacred music. That's really wonderful. So as we wrap up here, I, I guess the last question I have for you, actually I have two more questions. So the penultimate question, there's your Scrabble word today, friends. If, if a listener out there is saying, you know, this might be really good for me because I, I do so much better in my daily life and in my spiritual life when I have that structure, when I have something to keep me anchored, really, yep. to 
not just the the prayer component of the day, but the day as a whole. Because I, I don't know about you, but I find that when I live a structured life, when I make that effort, my prayer time is more fruitful because I actually have more time to pray and I don't feel rushed and I'm not distracted by the 8 million other things. Oh, what do I need to accomplish today? Right. What was that phone message I need to return? What was that email I need to get back to? Maybe they're saying, but I don't have everything in order. Like I, I might not be married. I might be a single person listening today, or I might be a widow or a widower listening today. Is this something that's just specifically for young men early on in their marriage who couldn't go off to the monastery but want to be affiliated with it? Or is this really something that, that could be good for anyone? That's a really good question. Yeah, th- this is really good for anyone. Um, and I would, it, depending on where you live, you know, find the, not necessarily the nearest monastery, but because, for example, Clear Creek is six hours from from here in St. Louis. Um, but it's find somewhere that you have a special devotion to or you've been there before and you you know, appreciated the life there, um, just contact them and ask the question. They will have a novice master who will be interested in talking to you and helping you discern and giving the resources that you need to, to come to the decision of, of entering or, you know, starting the novitiate and then entering, becoming an oblate at least a year later. And, um, yes, it's for, for any vocation, uh, even secular priests, right. That you're, you're not in an order. Yeah, it's, it's just a great way to, to live your life that's focused, grounded, stable, helps you truly enter into the to the prayer and the mysteries of the church, really view the liturgy in the office. All right, last question for you. When I think of Benedictines, in, whether it's in the monastery or the, uh, the convent, I think of their cool habits. The Benedictine habit is one of my favorites. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're obviously not a monk. Right. But do they give you anything that, that you are called to wear? Like, do you have a scapular around the neck or something like that, or, or a medal or a, a chain or something like that? Yeah, when you enter the novitiate, at least at Clear Creek, we received a scapular. And uh, you can also wear the medal, either or. Um, but yeah, you would wear the scapular because it's sort of a reflection of the scapular, which is much bigger than the lay scapular that goes all the way down to their feet and over their chest down, you know, to their feet on both sides. Um, And a cool thing too, is that when oblates die, you have the option of being buried in the habit with the cincture and everything. So um, I'll see, have to see what my wife says about that. uh, If I pass before her, but uh, it's a, it's a beautiful way to, to, because monks go to the monastery to die. That's what they, they go to see God and they know they're going to go and, and they will die there. That's, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing that you can do as an oblate. Yeah, that's a really profound thought. Monks go to the monastery to die, not just to, to die to self, but as you said, it's a lifelong commitment for them. So they'll never actually come out of the monastery if, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Right. That's a, Wow, that's a humbling thought. Well, Chris Horan, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on uh, Roadmap to Heaven outside of the Roundup to explain this and give us a little bit more in-depth look at that. So friends, practical takeaways today, even without being an oblate, practice hospitality towards the poor. Mm-hmm. Practice hospitality in your community. Maybe welcome your, your friends and, and neighbors over to your house just for gatherings or or what buy someone a cup of coffee. I don't know what that what that might look like for you. And and devote yourself to a life of work and prayer. Uh, Chris, thanks again for being with us today. Friends, we're gonna take a, another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. 
Here we are on a Monday in the month of May. Great M words for us. And Patty, I hear that this week's Daily Dose of Encouragement is another great M word. Correct. The month of May, there's so much packed into this month, but we can't forget Mother's Day. And so I want to spend a week talking about motherhood. I want to start off by just reminding us all and myself, I need to be reminded of this very often, that every woman, every woman is called to be a wife and mother, regardless of our state in life. Now, some people, there's a lot of emotions attached to that. And some people may say, what? What are you talking about? Not everyone is a mother. And that's so true. Some are physical mothers. Some are mothers by adoption. But all of us are called to be spiritual mothers. And why do I want to start the week off with this topic of motherhood and and encouraging us all to just dive into this identity of being a spiritual mother? Because I think we need to reclaim this identity as women and share it with the world. Many people do not even know what it means to be a woman. Many people do not understand and many women do not even desire or aspire to be a mother. And so I think we need to show the beauty and fulfillment as well as the challenges of motherhood, of actual physical motherhood, so that young women will desire motherhood again. But we also need to also encourage anyone, maybe someone who has desired marriage and never found the right person or someone who has experienced infertility, just say, no, you are a spiritual mother to so many people of every life that you touch. So let's reclaim the title of motherhood for women everywhere, whether or not you actually have biological children or not. And let's proclaim the beauty of motherhood to the world that desperately needs to hear this message. What an inspiring message for us, Patty, and one that we certainly do need to hear. So I'm so glad you're bringing it to us this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, that's our show today, and uh, lots of great things for us to take home. Well, not take home with us. We're out on our way to the world, but to take with us throughout the day and throughout the week. And I I just want to come back to that. Everything Chris was talking about with daily living and the things they try to do in their home, it all goes back to that quote from Father Gorin we heard today. If you keep the rhythm, the rhythm will keep you Uh, There are going to be storms in life, and right now the metaphorical waters are very troubled. You know, there's waves, and it's not necessarily pleasant 100% of the time. Father Kirby and I have talked about that uh, before, and in fact, we're going to be talking about that soon on the show the next time he's with us, that it's it's not easy to be a Catholic, and right now it, it is indeed difficult. We are called to so much. We are called to stand for the truth. We are called to love our neighbor. We are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, and soul above all else. I mean, for me, it goes back to that first commandment. I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And, you know, it's not that I go around like the the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament with Elijah or Elisha. I always forget if it's Elijah, Elijah or Elisha. That came and uh, built the altar, you know, and said, you, you build an altar and I'll build an altar to the true God. And uh, whoever's altar is consumed in fire first, that'll, that'll be how we know, right? And he pours water all over hers because water and fire don't go together. And yet it's our God 
the true God who consumes the altar. Uh, it's not that I'm going around worshiping other false gods like Baal in the, in the Old Testament, but when I make my shows that I watch more important than my faith, when I say I really want to enjoy this book or this music or this movie that runs counter to what I should stand for as a Catholic, Am I making that more important than God? Like, God, I know you call me to a life of holiness, but I want this. I'm going to make this more important than you. No. Friends, now is the time to continue uh, to stick to that dedication. And let me tell you, fasting is a big part of this because if we can learn to deny ourselves on a regular basis of food, which is so easy to control, we can learn to deny ourselves the other things so we can cling closely to God. Let's pray in the name of the Father of the, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wednesday on the show, we're going to be talking about that very thing that we don't get a break from who we're called to be. There's no vacation from our vocation We're going to have some other stuff for you. Stay tuned, and and you'll hear all about that as the week goes on. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.